ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so we resume again then after ramadan and hopefully everybody is now rejuvenated fresh to begin again after the break ramadan is always a small break from the regular studies the usual timetables and schedules but now then again the opportunity brings itself to begin fresh with energy with that studying with that talabul ilm so we're going to resume with sahih al-bukhari the chapter of tawheed from it and inshallah ta'ala this would appear to be the final leg the final section of the book that we're going to work through now and finish in the next few weeks or few months inshallah ta'ala the chapter that we were on before Ramadan was the chapter that was discussing what? The speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioning the attribute of the speech of Allah evidences from various texts that prove the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there were multiple evidences Al-Imam Al-Bukhari was mentioning where it says Allah said such and such, Allah says such and such. All of those narrations are therefore indicating that Allah speaks the attribute of speech. The narration then that we begin with is where Al-Imam Al-Bukhari mentions قال حدثنا أبو اليمان قال أخبرنا شعيب قال حدثنا أبو الزناد أن الأعرج حدثه أنه سمع أبا هريرة أنه سمع رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول نحن الآخرون السابقون يوم القيامة أذن وبهذا الإسناد قال الله أنفق أنفق عليك the point here from these two narrations is the second section al-isnad. in that chain of narration it then comes up as that Allah said spend and I will spend upon you فَقَوْلُهُ قَالَ اللَّهِ يَبْنَ آدَمْ أَنْفِقْ أُنْفِقْ عَلَيْكَ that, O oh, son of Adam, spend and I will spend upon you. And fiqh, هذا الأمر يراد به الإنفاق الشرعي الذي أمر الله به. Spend as a command form, i.e. the obligatory spending that Allah has placed upon us legislatively. What is that obligatory spending? So there is, for example, the zakat, which is obligatory if a person has 
the quantity required for zakat to be obligatory upon them also what is the obligatory spending besides the zakat family the spending upon the wife the spending upon the children their clothing their food their home all of those types of spending are an obligation upon a person these are all obligatory forms of spending so here the command is there spend i.e those obligations of spending that are upon you and i will spend upon you and this is like the ayah وَمَا أَنْفَقْتُمْ مِنْ شَيْءٍ فَهُوَ يُخْلِفُهُ That what you spend of anything, there will be something to come after it. فَإِذَا أَنْفَقَ الْإِنسَانَ مَا أَمَرَهُ اللَّهُ بِإِنْفَاقِهِ أَخْلَفَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ سِوَاهُ That if you spend from that which Allah has obligated upon you to spend, then Allah will provide for you thereafter. There will be something else that comes for you thereafter. It's similar to the narrations that talk about the non-obligatory spending, that charity does not decrease your wealth. Similarly here, the obligatory spending, not just the charity here, the obligatory spending you do for the sake of Allah, knowing it's an obligation upon you, it's an act of worship, for you to do, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will provide for you thereafter. Allah will provide for you and bring for you something thereafter. فَشَاهِدْ مِنْ هَذَا The point of it being from this narration though, is that at the beginning it says, قَالَ اللَّهِ Allah said, spend and I will spend upon you. So again it is the affirmation of the speech of Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then after that, Qala haddathana Zuhair ibn Harb, Qala haddathana ibn Fudayl, An Umarah, An Abi Zur'ah, An Abi Hurayrata, Faqal, Hadihi Khadijah, Atat kabi ina'in fihi ta'am, Aw ina'in fihi sharab, Faakri'ha min rabbiha salam. وَبَشِّرْهَا بِبَيْتٍ مِنْ قَصَبٍ لَا صَخَبَ فِيهِ وَلَا نَصَبٍ In this narration now, Abu Hurairah, or it's narrated from Abu Hurairah, he said, or فَقَال فَقَال سقال حدثنا زهير بن حرب قال حدثنا ابن فضيل عن عمارة عن بزرعة عن بهريرة فقال هذه خديجة أتتك بإناء فيه طعام أو إناء فيه شراب that this is خديجة who has come to you with what with a utensil in it is food or a utensil in it is drink. But then what does it say? فَأَقْرِئْهَا مِنْ رَبِّهَا السَّلَامِ Read upon her or tell her 
the salam from her lord the salam upon her from her lord that jibreel alayhi salam was commissioned to go and give that salam to her uh, uh, from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala فأقرئها من ربها السلام أن الله حمل جبريل صلى الله عليه وسلم أن يبلغ النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم هذه الأمانة فأقرئها من ربها السلام أي قل لها إن الله يسلم عليك So this was Jibreel عليه السلام telling the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم to go and tell Khadija that Allah sends the salam upon her so this is a great virtue for Khadija radiyallahu anha anna Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala min fawqi sabi' samawatihi aqra'aha salam wa hadha huwa shahid lihada al-hadith that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the salam upon her from above the heavens and that is indicating the point of the chapter regarding Allah's speech so that is another evidence that you see how al-imam al-bukhari will quote a hadith even though the hadith may have multiple other issues of fiqh within it other issues of aqidah within it but the purpose of him quoting that hadith is that shahid the point that he wants to extract from it so here it's not particularly about the story of the salam upon khadija it's about the fact that it was sent from Allah and that proves the attribute of speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then, قال حدثنا معاذ بن أسد قال أخبرنا عبد الله قال أخبرنا معمر عن حمام بن منبه عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه عن يمزة سلم قال قال الله أعددت لعباد الصالحين ما لا عين رأت ولا أذن سمعت ولا خطر على قلب بشر that Allah said I have prepared for my righteous servants what no eye has seen and no ear has heard and neither has it occurred or been imagined by any heart of a person. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and nobody has imagined. Again, the point of this is not specifically the meaning of the hadith that Allah has prepared for the believers in paradise, things that no eye has seen from us, no ear has heard from us, nobody has imagined or thought or occurred to them of it that is regarding the bliss of paradise but the point here is that at the beginning it says qala allah allah said that he has prepared these affairs again emphasizing the point regarding the speech of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala al-shaykh al-thameen mentions here لماذا اعتنى البخاري رحمه الله في هذه المسألة وساق فيها هذه الحديث المتنوعة Why is it that الإمام البخاري 
has given so much importance to this topic and mentioned so many different hadith about it. From before Ramadan, several sessions, and we're talking about this issue of the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So many different hadith and examples where just that one point of it saying Allah said, all of these different hadith is quoting them. Why give this much importance to this topic? Other topics in the past we've done didn't last this long. There weren't this many evidences in those chapters. Why did Imam al-Bukhari put so much emphasis on this topic of the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Because the Quran is the book of Allah, so it's an important attribute and uh, important topic to understand because it will impact upon our aqidah regarding the Quran. That's along the right lines. Different was the first part. You said different. Oh, we haven't got to anything. What should I mean? Said yet? But go on, yeah. So why is the chapter long then? Because. So there were multiple deviations in this topic and therefore there are multiple evidences brought here to therefore take care of all of the different deviations that may be brought forth. All right. Correct. All of these points basically it is due to it's like what Imam Ahmed said. When the people of innovation increased in their innovation increased in their deviance then we increased in our clarifications and evidences when the people of innovation increase in their amount of bid'ah innovation deviance doubts then we as ahlu sunnah increase in our numbers of clarifications and evidences and proofs that we bring so here this is a topic no doubt where the people of innovation caused a great trial regarding the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the greatest of the trials that occurred and so Imam al-Bukhari like other scholars gave it a big amount of importance in clarifying this topic in detail different evidences different narrations from all different angles different topics to show you look how it is established without doubt this attribute of the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says, On top of the fact that at the time of Imam al-Bukhari, it was at its peak or towards its peak, the fitna regarding these affairs. So that would be another factor that would lead the Imam at his time, seeing what was going on at his time with the deviations regarding this topic, to therefore give it extra importance also. Then regarding the statement in the hadith, Allah, 
that I have prepared for my righteous servants what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has ever thought of. It's never occurred or imagined by anyone. This is like the statement, فَلَا تَعْلَمُ نَفْسٌ مَّا أُخْفِيَ لَهُمْ مِنْ قُرَّةِ أَعْيُنٍ جَزَاءً بِمَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ Just as Allah said that no soul knows what has been concealed for them from the coolness of the eyes as a recompense, reward for what they used to do. Nobody knows, no soul knows what has been kept aside for them from the coolness of the eyes as a reward for what they used to do. فَإِنْ قَالَ قَائِلِ إِذَا كَانَتِ الْعَيْنِ لَمْ تَرَهُ وَالْأُذَنْ لَمْ تَسْمَعُ وَالْقَلْبِ لَمْ يَخْبُرْ عَلَيْهِ هَذَا فَكَيْفَ نَعْرِفُ النَّعِيمِ If somebody was to say then these blessings that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has ever been able to imagine. <laughs> then how would we perceive them as blessings if we have no concept of them in the first place? How would we recognize them as blessings if we have no perception of them whatsoever? So the Sheikh says, قُلْنَا نَعْرِفُهُ بِالْقَدْرِ الْمُشْتَرَكِ بَيْنَ مَا فِي الدُّنْيَا وَمَا فِي الْآخِرَةِ وَإِنْ كَانَ مَا فِي الْآخِرَةِ يَخْتَلِفُ اخْتَلَافًا عَظِيمًا عَمَّا فِي الدُّنْيَا It's about the common ground that does exist. So for example, it's mentioned in paradise that there are certain names of fruits. There are certain fruits in paradise and the names of those fruits, do we recognize them or not? We do. But are those fruits gonna be like what we recognize right now? No. But is there some common ground? Yes, the name the name of those fruits shares a common ground with the fruits we have right now. So we have some level of perception. The name is a shared item between what we have here now and what is being mentioned as being in paradise. The details beyond that of what it is exactly how, what, who, we don't know. But there is a common ground of the name. So there is some level of perception there. So the Shaykh says, based upon that level of common ground, we have a perception of things, but there is obviously going to be a great amount of differing in the realities of those affairs in paradise compared to what we have here now. That's why in the narration of Ibn Abbas, لَيْسَ فِي الْجَنَّةِ مِمَّا فِي الدُّنْيَا إِلَّا الْأَسْمَاءِ فَقَطْ there is nothing in paradise from that which is in this world. Nothing in this world is in paradise. Except the only common ground is the names. There are names of things in paradise that we recognize their names here in this world. But the details of those things and their realities, they are not going to compare in paradise to what is here now in this world. After that, قال حدثنا محمود, قال حدثنا عبد الرزاق, 
قال أخبرنا ابن جريج قال أخبرني سليمان الأحول أن طاووسا أخبره أنه سمع ابن عباس يقول كان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا تهجد من الليل قال and this hadith we have covered before that when the Prophet used to do the night prayer he used to read this dua Allahumma laka alhamd anta nuru al-samawat wal-ard walaka alhamd anta qayyimu al-samawat wal-ard walaka alhamd anta rabbu al-samawat wal-ard waman fihin anta al-haq wa wa'aduka al-haq wa qawluka al-haq وَلِقَاءُكَ الْحَقِّ وَالْجَنَّةُ حَقِّ وَالنَّارُ حَقِّ وَالنَّبِيُّونَ حَقِّ وَالسَّاعَةُ حَقِّ اللهم لك أسلمت وبك آمنت وعليك توكلت وإليك أنبت وبك خاصمت وإليك حاكمت فاغفر لي ما قدمت وما أخرت وما أسررت وما أعلنت أنت إلهي لا إله إلا أنت. That is the dua mentioned in Sahih Muslim that the Prophet ﷺ used to recite or read during his night prayers. The point from all of that dua is one statement. Imam al-Bukhari has quoted this hadith here for one statement within it for the purposes of this chapter, and that is the section where it says. وَقَوْلُكَ الْحَقِّ And your statement, your speech of truth. The speech of Allah is truth. فَقَوْلُ اللَّهِ هُوَ الْحَقِّ The speech of Allah, that is the truth. هُوَ الْحَقُّ فِي مَا يُحْكَمُ بِهِ وَهُوَ الْحَقُّ فِي مَا يُخْبَرُ بِهِ فَمَا حُكِمَ بِهِ فَهُوَ عَدْلِ أَوْ فَضْلِ so the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the truth. And the truth in what is ruled by it and what is informed of it, meaning all of that statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is the absolute truth. Judgment is made upon it. The criteria, the decision, the judgment, all of that absolute truth justice, virtue, the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why it mentions in the Quran, وَتَمَّتْ كَلِمَةُ رَبِّكَ صِدْقًا وَعَدْلًا That the speech of your Lord is perfected upon truth and justice. Absolute perfection in the speech of Allah. This narration here, it also mentioned about, or it touches upon the context of Allah descending in the last third of the night. The night prayer, the last third of the night. As Shaykh Al-Athaymeen mentions, هَلْ يَخْتَلِفْ نُزُولُ اللَّهِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَ بِحَسَبِ الْفُصُولِ فَمَثَلًا فِي الشِّتَاءِ يَكُونُ وَقْتُ النُّزُولِ أَطْوَلْ مِنَ الصَّيْفِ وَهَلْ يُعْتَبَرْ ذَلِكَ ضُمْنَ تَعْظِيمِ الْوَقْتِ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى Allah descends in the last third of the night. The last third of the night in winter, the number of 
physical hours that constitute the last third will be more than the last third number of physical hours right now. Right now, a third of the night is barely two hours, not even that. In winter, a third of the night could be four, five hours. So then does that mean Allah is descending in the last third of the night, the, the, the time of barakah in winter, the physical number of hours is longer. All of that time is classed as the time of barakah. And here now in the summer, it's going to be less. What do we say regarding that? The Sheikh says, لَيْسَ هُنَاكَ all of those times that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala descends in the last thirds of the night, all of the hours count regardless of when it occurs and how long it is and those hours are superior to any other time the time that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala descends in that night, uh, in every night, then that is superior to any other time. After that, قال حدثنا حجاج بن منهال قال حدثنا عبد الله بن عمر النميري قال حدثنا يونس بن يزيد الأيلي قال سمعت الزهري قال سمعت عروة بن زبير وسعيد بن المصيب وعلقمة بن وقاص وعبيد الله ابن عبد الله عن حديث عائشة زوج النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم حين قال لها أهل الإفك ما قالوا This narration now talking about the, the fabrications of lies that were made against عائشة رضي الله عنها that uh, it was her, it's mentioned in that story that the Prophet said to her, or who said to her, in fact, when that story happened, the, the fabrication against Aisha radiallahu anha, her declaration of innocence came from where? From Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, you know, Allah. Allah declared her innocence of what they were claiming of her. And then he mentions that they all narrated sections of this hadith of Aisha. That I did not think Allah would reveal revelation because there are ayat in the Quran. That Allah would reveal revelation that is going to be recited in declaration of my innocence of their fabrications. And that I considered myself too lowly, not of any status that Allah would speak of me uh, in revelation that would then be continued to be recited. وَلَكِنِّي كُنْتُ أَرْجُوا أَنْ يَرَى رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ فِي النَّوْمِ رُؤْيَا يُبَرِّئُنِي اللَّهُ بِهَا That I, I, I thought uh, and I was hoping just enough that the Prophet was shown a, a vision, a dream in which my declaration of innocence would be made clear. فَأَنزَلَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى إِنَّ الَّذِينَ جَاءُوا بِالْإِفْكِ الْعَشْرَ الْآيَاتِ But instead those ayat were revealed 
in the Quran regarding that. The point is then, the section where Aisha mentions that I thought myself to be too low, not of status, that an Allahu that Allah would speak regarding me, that Allah would speak regarding my affair. This indicates, as the Sheikh says, Aisha radiallahu anha, the humbleness and the modesty of Aisha radiallahu anha. And this is how it is suitable and appropriate that a person should consider himself to be lowly and of no status. Aisha radiallahu anha from the scholars of the Salaf. The men of the Salaf used to go asking for fatwa from Aisha radiallahu anha. Yet she says, I considered myself nothing of status that Allah would speak of my affair. The Sheikh says, this is how a person should be, that he doesn't consider himself of any status, of any superiority, of any degree, but you consider yourself to be lowly and of no status. You consider yourself with that humbleness and that modesty. And that's why you see all those examples of when people go to the scholars, so many narrations, and they say, Sheikh, such and such, and Allama, such and such, and they are stopped. And the Sheikh will say, no. Don't refer to me with these titles. I am only a tuwaylibul ilm, as you hear some of those narrations. When the mashaykh, they say, I'm only a, not even just a student of knowledge. I'm just a small student of knowledge. Drop all of this alama and this and that. I'm just a small student of knowledge. They mentioned once a Sheikh Abdul Razak, a Sheikh Abdul Razak al-Abbad, Many years ago when he was young, maybe in his 20s, possibly around about that age, he mentioned that a Shaykh Al-Aythaymeen, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, came to give a lecture in Medina University. And he, a Shaykh Abdul Razak, said, I was given the presentation duties that day. So when this lecture was happening, he was the host uh, introducing the Shaykh and everything. He said, so I began to introduce the Shaykh. And imagine then he's a young man in those days and Al-Allama, Sheikh Al-Thaymeen is here. So he's giving the introduction, as you expect, Al-Allama, Al-Faqih, etc., etc., mentioning the titles. And he mentioned, Sheikh Al-Thaymeen stopped me. Just stopped me, said, be quiet. In the middle of that. And you see this type of example often, that the scholars do not accept and they are not pleased that you start putting these titles for them. And they never do it themselves. You'll see, for example, a scholar, he writes something. He won't write at the bottom, Al-Sheikh uh, 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 Al-Allama, and then his name. It'll be often just his name. Or a doctor, if that the official title that is given now, because of the official qualifications and status, that is just an official title. Those types of things. But nobody is pleased and happy with those titles. As some of the scholars, they said, anybody who is pleased and happy that he should be known as a sheikh or alama or whatever title, anybody who is pleased to be known with these titles, a sheikh, al-allama, this, that, the other, then the reality is those are the very people who are not deserving of the title. The ones who are pleased with it, then they are the ones in reality who are not deserving of it.
the ones who are pleased with it they are the ones who are not deserving of it in reality because if a man is pleased to be known like that then it shows he doesn't have any modesty doesn't really have the humbleness doesn't have the types of characteristics of humility and so it shows he's not really an alim then he's not really an allama then he's not really of those titles if that's his character inside he loves the praise and he loves to be given that type of status so that is not something that a person should have these are from the noble and, uh, and humble and uh, uh, modest characteristics that a person should be upon recognizing his lowly status recognizing that he has nothing to give over and above I mean you look at the example of the the University of Medina because these days this is something that is widespread everybody is a sheikh these days everybody is uh, it becomes a big misconception a big misconception to the extent somebody the other day uh, we were teaching the book of al-maqdisi the sirah book and somebody texted me asking where can i get this book from i want to follow these lessons no problem standard question but then they said on the, on the text and allah alam who it was no idea who it was they said so uh, so did you author this book then is this your book you you authored this book and everything and that is probably from the state of affairs that you see now with all these youtube personalities everybody's an allama everybody is a sheikh everybody's this everybody's that so then i clarified we are not authors of these books or anything we're simply reading through the explanations of the scholars on them but that's what you have in the world now anybody who has a camera anybody who has the the techni technology anybody can do those things now and label their own video when they upload it title it themselves as sheikh such and such for themselves they are uploading their own video titling it as a sheikh this that the other and they are pleased to be known as that and in fact they get angry if you don't refer to them with some title like that so it's a calamity and it's a, a problem which is widespread amongst the people especially the younger generations those who are in their teens in their 20s in their 30s the millennials as they call them all of this youtube and this technology and social media that all these people who have no knowledge simple as that doesn't need to go around the bush or go into any detail simple as that they have no knowledge they have no knowledge they've never studied they've never done books cover to cover simple books they've never had any history of sitting with the scholars of going abroad of having knowledge and understanding of learning principles of memorizing they have absolutely nothing of that in their background nothing of it but they've made themselves into personalities over social media because anybody can make yourself into a personality over social media they use their various techniques and their training in order to increase the views and to increase the numbers and whatever else so now these people become mashaykh amongst the audiences amongst the people amongst the masses amongst the youth they go and use for example hyde park and these types of locations knowing that those are places that have hype around them so when you put videos up from there uh, and they they talk about the salafis and they 
speak evil about the Salafis, they speak evil about the scholars of the Salafis. And they go to Hyde Park and they talk about these things and they make their videos and wherever it might be. There, other places, other locations, multiple individuals on YouTube now with their channels, building up their followers, talking rubbish and talking nonsense. And they have no background in knowledge, they have no background in studying, they haven't graduated from anywhere, they haven't even half graduated from anywhere. And so it's a calamity people need to be aware of. This humbleness doesn't exist in those people. If you're uploading videos and you're recording yourself and you're putting yourself onto video with a, 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 a t-shirt or a vest or a jumper printed on it, your name and then Q&A. Imagine I walked in now with my thobe printed on it, Abu Mu'av Q&A session. And I sit here now, let's move the slightly out of the way so everybody can see it. Uh, Abu Mu'av Q&A. And then you record me and then I'm doing the Q&A and it's here on my, on my jumper. Have you ever, ever in your lives seen a scholar do anything of that nature? A scholar ever to sit there. Scholars wouldn't even allow you to put a placard saying Al-Allama Al-Faqeed. They saw that, they probably removed that. Let alone you come in with this merchandise with your name imprinted Q&A. It's only a matter of time. When you come along now, it'll be Al-Allama such and such printed on the shirts. And then you sit there in front of the videos and the cameras. So where are they from these types of situations here that we see? Where are they from the speech of the scholars here? The speech of a Shaykh al means saying in this one simple five or six words, just like Aisha radiallahu anha, this is how it is appropriate for a person to see himself as low, not to, to think himself to be some superior individual, think himself to be some knowledgeable individual. And most of these people, they don't have anything like we said, even the ones who do, meaning they've gone and they've done something and they've graduated, they are only, as they say, one-eyed in the land of the blind. That makes them the king. The reality when they were back in Medina and those places, they were known as the Masakin. Many of these people in Al-Maghrib Institute, this institute, that institute, graduate of Medina. We know all of these guys from when we were there. Masakin, fail their exams, fail and fail and fail. Go and sit with the Hizbis, never sit in the scholars' lessons. All of these things are known about them, but when you come back to the West, the masses don't know any of that. The masses don't know what you were up to when you were in Medina. They don't know you never used to sit with any of the scholars. They don't know you barely used to scrape past your exams. They don't know you failed. They don't know any of these things. You come back just with that statement, I'm a graduate. I've been in Medina for six years. And so you can print on your vest and you can sell them like that. So this is the calamity that people need to be aware of. It's not this way, the way of the Hizbis, the way of these individuals on YouTube now, all of these kids wanting to make themselves into the Sheikh status. So the Sheikh mentions, these are the characteristics a person needs to have, characteristics of humbleness, of humility, of modesty. Uh, and the point being here from this narration is again, affirmation of the speech of Allah that Aisha said, Allah, I did not think that Allah would speak about my affair that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would speak about my issue 
But that is exactly what occurred and Allah spoke about that affair in the Quran revealing the ayat declaring the innocence of Aisha radiallahu anha. Today we're going to have to cut it short at that point. Uh, and then next week the narrations are all short now. Uh, the ones that are remaining in the chapter. Next week we'll finish this chapter. The chapter regarding the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this section. Then the section after that is about Allah speaking to the prophets and others on the day of judgment. There are many narrations that talk about how Allah will speak to the people on the day of judgment. Allah will speak to the prophets. Allah will speak to the messengers, speak to the believers as a whole. So that topic regarding the day of judgment and how Allah will speak to the people on that day, then that will be the topic we'll begin with the week after next. Next week we'll finish off this particular chapter that remains regarding the speech of Allah. And then we'll carry on from that inshallah ta'ala. But I don't expect it to take long now. Much of this next section is still around this topic of the speech. So it, it'll be reasonably quick to move through that. So maybe a few weeks uh, and inshallah ta'ala will come close to the end of what remains of this book. Anything to mention on that then before we run off tonight? So those people that we just mentioned now, all of these youngsters, everybody else, in their, some of them in their teens, some of them barely in their 20s. When we say youngsters, that's what they are, some of them. And they want to make themselves into sheikh personality and this personality and that personality. And they go to Hyde Park and they make all these videos because they know that's uh, the hype and you'll get the views, you'll get the followers. And they've got no qualifications, they've got no ability, they've never studied a thing. That studying is the key. The studying is the key because it could be, for example, in the old school fashion of studying, even some of the mashaykh now don't have any official qualifications. Some of the mashaykh don't have official qualifications. They haven't got a degree they never had in their life. But they studied in that old school method where all their lives they were with their mashaykh they were learning, they were studying, and they are mashaykh now themselves. They are scholars themselves. Even though they've got no PhD, they've got no masters, they've got no pieces of paper. But they've studied. They've sat with the scholars, they've learned from the scholars, they've learned the principles, they've studied. So it's not a condition that you have to have a graduation certificate. But at the same time, on the, on the flip side of it, a person who doesn't have that, then it's something to investigate. If a person hasn't got anything, he's got no qualifications. So now you need to investigate that person. Has that person got any knowledge or not then? From other means, he may not have a degree, he may not have been to an institution, he may not have got qualifications from degrees and things, but has he got something else then? Has he been sitting with the scholars all his life? Has he been studying with the scholars all his life? Has he been studying books? Has he done all of that kind of thing? If he's done that kind of thing, he has studied with the scholars, he has been sitting with them for years and years, 
he has been going through books with them for years and years, then that's outside of what we've just mentioned. That person has got something now then. But these people, they don't have any qualifications. And on top of that, they don't have any studies anyway. They haven't got any qualification in the first place. But then, okay, maybe they've studied. Let's have a look. They haven't. All these people, they have nothing. They come back and they post on their Facebook, I've been to America and I've done this and I've done, I've done a course on how to give khutbah. I've done a course on how to give Jum'ah khutbah. And I've been trained and I've learned now how to do the Jum'ah khutbah and how to deliver and everything. So now I'm trained up. I'm trained up now on how to give the Jum'ah khutbah. Anybody wants bookings, he's the form and everything else. That is their knowledge. That is what they want to come and present to the people. I went here, I went somewhere and I got trained how to be a khatib. To train yourself how to be a khatib, you need to sit down and do these books. To be a khatib, you need to have knowledge. Knowledge is what trains you to be a khatib. These people think it's training like how we talk about training. You want to be an electrician, you need to go learn about this and that, and then you're an electrician. You want to be a khatib, you got to just go learn uh, how to, uh, st- uh, what to say, how to make your posture when you're giving the khutbah. They think that's the training to be a khatib. And they come back and now I'm a khatib, I got the training. The reality is these people don't have any knowledge. They've never studied with the scholars. They've never studied books. If somebody has, maybe there are examples, like we said, even of the mashayikh. They've studied books with the scholars throughout their lives, but they've never done the official degrees and things and whatever else. No problem. They are considered from the people of knowledge nevertheless. They are considered from the people of knowledge nevertheless because they have studied and they have uh, uh, qualifications in that regard. So it's not to say if somebody doesn't have a qualification that instantly means a cross. doesn't mean that. There may be people who have studied books with the scholars all their lives and they've been studying principles and going to the scholars, visiting, etc. Fair enough. But on the other side of it, these people, they have none of it. They have no qualifications and they have no abilities in the first place anyway. They haven't studied anything anyway. And the only other category is the ones who do have qualifications, but despite having qualifications, they have no abilities in anything. So you stick with the people who have ability, who have knowledge, who studied with the scholars, who've gone through books cover to cover. Some of those may be graduates. They have that as well along with it. Others may be not graduates, but they've studied elsewhere. In the olden days with Sheikh Muqbil, for example, many brothers went and studied there. They may have studied for a long period of time, years and years, equivalent to the one who goes to Medina University, but they won't have come back with a certificate or to say that they graduated. So you look into that situation. These people, it's very simple because when you look into it, they haven't got anything of any of it. So that's very simple to see how these people who all want to be in da'wah, promoting and advertising themselves in the field of da'wah, and they have no ability in da'wah, because to give da'wah, al-ilmu qabla al-qawli wal-amal. Knowledge comes before statements and actions. These people all want to skip the level of gaining knowledge because that's the difficult part. That's the part that takes years and years and years and striving and effort and memorization and breaking sweat. You can't gain knowledge by relaxing. That's the big long part. But if you have to do that big, long, massive part, then all these other people are going to have 80,000, 100,000 followers on YouTube by the time you even get started. So then you've got to miss all of that part 
and just basically con people into believing you've got the that part you've got the part of the knowledge you con people into believing you've got that part and then you set yourself up as a da'wah individual giving da'wah to people and you've never gone past the stage of gaining the knowledge in the first place to give as they say somebody who has lost something he doesn't have it he's lost it cannot then give that thing to anybody else a person who has no knowledge cannot give it to anybody else so you have to be careful don't watch these types of youtube all over the place now social media all over the place all of these individuals promoting themselves as da'wah this and da'wah that da'wah always seems to be coming into their titles don't watch these individuals don't look into their videos their materials they're not people of knowledge they're not students of knowledge they don't have any ability they've never studied with the scholars they are a waste of time they are only personalities for followers they are just like any other youtubers they are youtubers as they call them that is it they are not people of knowledge or students of knowledge to take knowledge from we'll have to round off on that for tonight then we'll carry on next week at 8 uh 8 15 p.m inshallah 8 15 p.m next week inshallah Thank you.